0: Welcome to Figuring Out Families by Magellan Media, where we help make families the best they can be. We're starting a new series of podcasts we're calling the Parenting Sessions. The series will focus on parenting and raising children and provide practical, real world advice. I hope you enjoy. I'm David Ahern. Rachel Schofield is our guest on this episode of Figuring Out Families. Rachel is a parent, coach and professional member of the Australian Association of Family Therapists and mum to two children. Welcome back, Rachel.
1: Thanks, David. Lovely to be here again.
0: Now, in this first episode, or in the first episode when we spoke on siblings, we spoke about friendships and the need for a strong bond between siblings. But the downside is the struggles amongst children, as we also talked about a little bit. I would imagine tensions and rivalries are very normal behaviour in all families
1: yes absolutely totally common so if you are struggling with your kids not getting along well you are not alone there is not a family with more than two children that does not have to deal with this at some point you know often and but just to reassure parents that you know your kids are really well placed to get along well uh get along yeah well and sign parents often reach out to me on this topic. They often reach out wanting help. So you're not alone and we can make things go well.
0: Right. Probably a very silly question, but of course I'll ask it anyway. Why do fights, these sorts of struggles happen?
1: Well, no, it's not a silly question at all. Oh my goodness. I think it's actually quite a complex question. Um, the, The sort of really simple answer is that your kids are just full of feelings. They can't think well anymore and they are just, because they can't think well anymore, they've lost all sense of how much they love their brother or sister and they're just lashing out and it just doesn't feel good. But there yeah. are actually quite deep things behind why struggles and fights happen. Um So if, if you've got siblings, kids that, aren't getting along well and this is a bit of an entrenched pattern there are kind of a few things to think about and the first one is like just simply adjusting to the arrival of a new child is massive for every other kid in the family yes. um it takes a really long time for a family to adjust to a new baby it can take yep. at yep. least a year a year like for everyone in that family to to really start to figure out the new dynamics the new rhythm and For the children who are already there in the family, there are a lot of feelings come up. There's, you know, huge amounts of love for their new sibling, but also worries and stresses that come up for them too. Um, And what's tricky is that so what our kids need in that moment is they need us to support them adjusting to the, the new baby. But what's really tricky is that the time when a new baby comes into a family is But yeah, we're—it's a really demanding point in time. We're reached to the max. Um, There's a lot going on, and so children already in the family can, like, not get the attention and support they need through nobody's fault. It's just simply not possible. And and what that means is that it can actually linger on for years—the adjusting to the arrival of a new child—and sometimes that's kind of the core issue that's that's going on.
0: Right.
1: Um, I've got a few more reasons for you.
0: <laughs> right. Good. <laughs>
1: so the 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 second reason that um, kids fight, siblings fight and struggle with each other is on a sort of long range sort of reasons, is that they have accumulated anger and resentment towards their sibling. And this is a little bit different from the first one. This is more about times in the past where things have gone wrong, times in the past yeah. where they've had fights, where there have been injustices, um, where their sibling did something hurtful. Like All those things yes. can just store up inside a kid. And it, it can just set like a background tone to a relationship between two kids. Um, there's just this tension because of what's happened in the past. My third reason for why kids fight and struggle to get along in the family um, is that a child simply isn't old enough to handle the situation. So there are some things that there are sort of developmental milestones where kids can do certain things. So one of the early ones would be taking turns. Like a very young child needs quite a lot of support to take turns. They they can do it with the support of an adult, but it's not an easy thing. They can Like a one-year-old or, you know, like a a 10-month-old, well, if something's gone, it feels like it's gone forever. They don't sort of get that it's going to come back to them. So that can be a source of tension. And then things like the ability to see something from someone else's point of view, like that doesn't really kick in. It starts to kick in a little bit with preschoolers. Eight-year-olds are much better at it. Teenagers still struggle. And as adults, we can still struggle sometimes too. But the, the brain's growing, True. you know, all the time. It doesn't finish growing until a child is between 24 and 28 years of age. And so there are things that are just not possible for kids to do, and that can cause tension and problems. Um, The fourth reason that kids yeah. in a family might bite is that they've got stored feelings from other situations that they are dumping on their siblings. Um, because siblings are such easy targets. Um, they are safe. Yeah. They're generally smaller than all the other people in the fa- you know, the adults in the family, so they kind of feel a bit safer like that too. Um, they're not going to go away, mm-hmm. so you can dump your worst feelings on them and they're not going to leave you and abandon you. They're, they're going to be there. Um, and so they're just a very easy dumping ground for all the hurts that, you've, that they've accumulated. My fifth reason um, that kids bite yeah. is that maybe, maybe there's something that's not going well in one child's life, so, like, beyond the family. So maybe that kid's struggling at school or daycare. Um, maybe, you know, there's a teacher they don't get or a caregiver they don't get along well with. And that, that's, that kid's holding that in them. And when they come home, it's that like they want to be rid of that bad feeling and their sibling just looks like a great place to get rid of what's happening in the outside world so it's like nothing to do with their sibling their sibling just cops it they kind of get all that tension and my last reason my sixth one about why things happen is maybe maybe things are a bit out of balance in the family perhaps you know perhaps we're stressed perhaps we're not being the bigger stronger wiser person they needed to be um maybe we're not we're, because of that, we're not offering them the connection they need um, and we're not supporting them with the feelings that they're holding inside um, or that maybe they're not getting some autonomy that they need or something that they need. So it was a good question.
0: Yeah, no, and, uh, I mean, children pick up on stresses and other things in the family home. They, they don't miss much, even at a young age, do they?
1: Oh, they pick up everything, even like even newborns, absolutely they are – wired to key into the emotional climate of the family, like newborn babies pick that up. That part of the brain is actually very well developed at birth and they are very aware of the emotional climate.
0: Yeah. Some families do seem to have more issues in terms of sibling rivalries and I just see it amongst family friends of ours. Why is that, do you think? Is it that they don't cope with certain things as well as other families or is it a bit more complex than that?
1: Um, I think there are a lot of different reasons. I think one is that families experience different levels of stress. Um, yeah. so that you know, some p- families might be financial hardship. There may be relationship challenges. There may be job security. There may be housing issues. Like, and so different families are dealing with different amounts of stress. And as we talked about in our first session, that has an impact. Like, if the the parents a stress, then that will show up in how the kids get along with each other. So that's one reason it varies. Another one is that parents have their own histories and we all have different histories and different, um, we've all had different upbringings and some of us had easier times as children than others. And if we had a hard time as a kid, if, if life wasn't so great when we were a kid, then we've got a lot of hurts inside us and that can make it quite hard to support our kids, it can make it harder not to get triggered, and you know, if that's you, it's not your fault, and it's it's something you can absolutely heal from. But bringing that stress ripples out to our kids. um Also, kids have different temperaments. Like you know, children are born into the world with different temperaments. Some kids are far yeah. more um, uh, just sort of quick to react. They have a kind of um, they're more sensitive. They um, and so if you've got a kid that's more quick to react, like that brings a bit more tension to the sibling relationships. And and children have different histories. So we, we know that um, from when a child is even in utero, the emotions that a mother is feeling is felt by that baby. And if that yeah. mother experienced stress during the pregnancy, the baby felt it too. Um, and there've been just amazing studies like um, one I read about um, a year or so ago was in Christchurch after the earthquake. Um, the the children that were in utero during the earthquake, they yeah. had just started showing up at primary school and they were showing up with post-traumatic stress syndrome because the mother had been really frightened and that right. fear landed in the baby. So. If your child maybe had a difficult birth or early medical procedures or maybe there was a lot of stress during your pregnancy, you might have a kid that's quite sensitive and has a has needs more support and so it will just make them more prickly with their siblings. They can absolutely heal from that stress, but it will make the sibling dynamics a little bit harder um yeah. and then and then also another factor is like how much time we're able to spend connecting with our child how much and how able we are to support our ch- kids with their own feelings.
0: Right, okay. Are there any signs, Rachel, parents can look for with their children, say from an early age, to try and head off problems? Like there might be a, a child that's a little bit more volatile than uh, one or two of their other siblings. Are there things parents can do to um, yeah, head off any problems later in life?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think a really good starting point is to, so there's a way as parents that there's sort of common thing at the school gate where we're like, oh, it's just a phase. (laughs) And I would really caution against thinking that, like because whilst there are things that are developmentally appropriate for different kids, often when we're saying that, it's because there's a bit of an issue that we need support with. So if you think about how kids are hardwired for connection, they are born into this world like they are social beings. They want to get along. They want to be part of the family. They want nothing more than to love their siblings well. Um, we're just, you know, we're social beings. That's what we're programmed for. So any time that your kid isn't doing that is a, a little red flag that they need a bit of help, a little red flag that yeah. they don't feel connected or they've got some feelings that they need help with. Um. Yeah. So just treat difficult behavior as a sign for support. And that's if you do that, like move in early, like then you'll kind of, you're you're setting the stage right to like you're dealing with stuff as it comes up rather than putting it off.
0: Okay. What, uh, Rachel, can parents do to help ease the conflict between siblings? Say if there is an ongoing problem and it really is a real issue. Are there strategies parents can put in place to uh, help their children?
1: Yeah there absolutely are and I th- so there are kind of things you can do in the moment and there are things you can do to set the stage for like long range for the, the relationship going well um, and on that lo- long range thing it's like really thinking about building the foundation of connection with each child and and between the children and allowing kids space to offload their emotions like to process the feelings that they've got inside um and we'll like in the upcoming sessions we'll look into really practical things you can do to build the connections between the kids and and with you um and we'll look at rituals that you can get into as a family that, that build on that um the other thing i'd flag up this time is it's really important to intervene in squabbles um so it's, it's really important to come in there, but not to do it in a blaming way. Just it can be like, "Oh, I'm s-, with young kids, you can kind of move in. it's, "Oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't notice you guys needed help." So you're not blaming anyone. you're not getting into yeah. the who did what?" You' just because mm-hmm. the truth is they'd lost their ability to think and they needed someone to come in and help them.
0: Yeah, and especially when they're really young, they certainly need uh, parental involvement, I'm sure.
1: Oh, totally. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's it's like it's always good to have other people help us when we're not getting along well. And, you know, even as adults we reach out for, for support when we're in conflict with someone else. So the, the idea that kids should be able to work it out themselves is a little bit ambitious because even as adults we tend to need other people to support us if we're in conflict. Yes. Right.
0: and now things uh, siblings themselves can do perhaps when they are a bit older to try and resolve the situation rather than get their parents involved?
1: Um, so yes and no.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> Good answer.
1: <laughs> it, it depends how old we're talking. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I just sort of want to reiterate the point that when siblings aren't getting along well, it's yeah. um, it's a sign that they need help. It's really a sign they need help, and with young kids, it's a sign that an adult needs to come in to be the emotional anchor in the situation and to sort to help yeah. them. Um, and for young kids, a really simple thing is to ask the kid to just get them to put their hand up and say "stop." That might not stop things happening, but it's a great signal. It's a great thing that they're doing something for themselves, and you're likely to hear that, or whatever other adults around will hear that. And so that's a really simple thing that kids of like 3 upwards can do really well um but the, the the key is if the kids are squabbling if if one kid is still thinking well they can get get help is really the best thing they can do because the sure. other child has lost their thinking and so they need support like a teenager could probably help a younger sibling by doing what you have modeled to them that you do to support a child. So they might be able to hold a limit with that child. They might be able to support that child process feelings. But really, even with a teenager, it's still absolutely fine for them to come and get help if their sibling has lost the ability to think well. Um, Yeah, <laughs> so that's my <laughs> answer to it is, I think it's good for them to get help. Uh, and if both kids are fighting and they've both lost their sense of thinking, then you know it's at that point neither of them even managed to reach out for help so you've just got to be yeah well if if they're,
0: they're at that stage I suppose they're beyond um thinking reasonably and trying to work it out amongst themselves
1: yeah that's absolutely it and so maybe that's a really good point that if kids it really is like around how good is their thinking it's like they can figure things out and you can model like ways of dealing with conflict but and if they've got a certain amount of thinking they will be able to do that and they kids can do that kind of stuff pretty naturally and you can come you know model that to them so what would you like and would it help if i did this and and just ways that you solve problems and they will have learned that from you like the way that you deal with them but the moment their thinking is gone the moment they're flooded with feelings they cannot think and it's not reasonable to to it's not, even a, it's not a realistic expectation to expect them to be able to find their thinking again to problem-solve the situation.
0: Sure. Rachel, is there an, an action plan, in inverted commas, an action plan for better behaviour parents can implement?
1: Ah, oh, so, so for, for me, for this answer is really back to the concept that when kids are feeling good, they do behave well, like they do behave well. And when they're not feeling good, that's when they're not behaving well. Because our behaviour is completely driven by our feelings. So any time a kid's not behaving well, it's because they've got bad feelings inside. And as we talked about in the first session we did on sibling friendships, to for a kid to be feeling good, they need to have a sense of connection to an, an adult around, whoever's around. Sure. And it doesn't mean that the adult's in that room. They just need to be able yeah. to hold a sense of connection to the adult and they yeah. need to be free of stored hurts. But the moment that they mm. have lost that sense of connection or the hurts are bubbling up inside them, they cannot think anymore. They're getting kind of flooded with feelings, and that is when behavior flares. So an action plan for helping kids with better behavior revolves around um, really reaching into your kids with regular doses of connection yeah. and allowing space for kids to process feelings that come up. And that way they'll be able to keep in their they'll be able to access their prefrontal cortex, like the yeah. thinking part of their brain, and they'll be able to function really well. So it's it the formula is around connection and allowing space for feelings.
0: Yeah, and I imagine it would be different, obviously, in each family. It would be up the parents can come up with their own action plan with their own little strategies
1: yeah yeah absolutely and I mean I can give you some ideas like of things to do um so in in terms of like building connection and the one of the ones to things to really focus on is one-on-one time with each child so carving out regular one-on-one time and it can be as short as you know five minutes like it's just you and me for five minutes what would you like to do I'll do anything you want to do and you play with your kids so that you're giving them really good quality one-on-one time and you know big chunks are wonderful too but even if it's just small regular bits of one on one time it goes such a long way to um helping a child feel that sense of connection help them feel loved and lovable and yeah. you can also just do little micro moments like li- really focusing in on the hellos and the goodbyes or the good morning cuddles like things yeah. like that that it it can when we're feeling stressed those things can go but to really focus in on that um in terms of like helping kids process their feelings um you Want when your kid's doing something unreasonable, you wanna move in and stop them doing that. So maybe they're kicking their sibling and you move in and you just yeah. hold their foot and say, I can't let you do that. And you stay with them and you physically stop them lashing out at their sibling. Yeah. And what will happen is if you, so instead of coming in, like we can feel pretty tense in those moments cause it's, it's quite button pressing when our kids are fighting, but the more we're able to find, to feel kind of calm pretty calm or calm enough (laughs) and feel confident that we can handle this we can move in like that and be fairly anchored as we stop our kid lashing out and what will happen is that kid will will sort of lean into their feelings so they might rage a bit but under that rage is tears and they will get to the tears and they'll have a really good cry and once they've come out the other end of it they will feel so much better and they'll be up think again and and generally speaking kids will come out the other end and they'll be like friendly they'll be cuddly they'll do something nice they might even yeah. sort of say sorry to their sibling like you know they can come yeah. out the other side but if we don't make space for them to g- get through those feelings then they're going to be holding them tight inside and they're going to do some other nutty thing like they're going to do something else yeah. that just doesn't make sense. Um yeah and another thing we can do if we've got like a sort of an ongoing pattern like just of tension between our kids or particular things that happen, we can even play around with kind of therapeutic play with kids, so we can with with young kids so sort of under the age of under the age of ten like slightly depending on your child. You can do things like get out some of their favorite toys. So maybe they have got some soft toys that they love, or they've got they like playing with Lego or whatever it is. Train sets, like doesn't matter. And you can set up some sort of play like, oh, um, uh, sort of these two trains are brother and sister and you so you start set the scene up and let them play and you let your kid come in and kind of take over the play and what you're doing is you want to find the places where they get to really laugh like laugh about funny things and they will they will and you want to let them kind of direct the story you can take some initiative but you want them to set up the story and often kids will use this as an opportunity to kind of work through what's going on in their real sibling relationships and it can be really helpful for them to to process it and to have a little bit of power in a situation where probably they feel quite powerless. Um and then okay. the last tool, like in the actual moment, so you could you can move in seriously and set a limit and stop stuff happening. You can play being playful is the most fantastic tool that you have as a parent. So One thing that I love to do, well, I love to do with my kids when they were younger was they got into a squabble. The squabble wasn't too serious yet, but I really needed to stop it as to move in and just be playful. So I might pick the smallest one up and go, looks like you need me to turn you upside down. And I'm just, totally changing the whole yeah. situation and oh it looks like you need a raspberry on the belly mm. and so like I'm not even mentioning yes. this wobble that they're getting into I'm just changing it up and if you move in like that kind of come in playfully you're diffusing the whole thing you're reaching in with connection which is what they really need in that moment you're providing space sure. for them to laugh and when they're laughing they're actually releasing emotional tension like that's helping it's helping them feel better um and you can get into a pillow fight or some wrestling and that can just change the whole thing going forwards
0: absolutely it's a safe and loving environment and that's what children need
1: yeah yeah that's right
0: rachel just to recap some of the main points from today's podcast
1: um, I think the main point, the really key point that I want parents to go away with is that it's completely normal, normal for siblings to struggle with each other. It's It can be a challenging relationship, but it can also be the most rewarding and the most wonderful relationship and to just hold on to the vision that your kids can get along well. And I have a little challenge for your listeners, which <laughs> is I would love them to think about, like, where, what are the time, like, when do your kids fight? <laughs> yeah. And often, if we start to track it and notice it, well, there'll be things that are quite predictable. Like, is it when everybody comes home from school? Is it you know, is it a certain time of day? Um, is it? Sometimes it's first thing in the morning. The mere sight of their sibling is enough to set them off. Like, but if you can get the patterns of what's happening, it means that you can be on the front foot and you can anticipate. As, as parents, we're like often so hopeful about the fact that it won't happen this time, but, but really it does. And if we can go, okay, when I get the kids from school, I can expect there's going to be tension, then you can start to solve it. Well, what am I going to do to preempt this? What am I going to do to make things go better? And you can start to solve it. So I'd love you to notice that, like when do your kids struggle with each other? And you can come and let me know on my Facebook page, which is at rachelscofield.au. And If you're interested in this series and you would like to um, think a little bit more about it, I've created a PDF workbook which goes over the main points. Um, It gives you key strategies you can use in detail and also some questions to help you reflect what's going on for you because so often what's going on for us emotionally is a really key part in what's happening with our kids and if we can deal with our own triggers Goes such a long way to helping our kids get along well with each other.
0: Very good advice.
1: I just would love to let your listeners know where they can get my workbook, which is they'll be able to get it on the show notes to this podcast. And also, if you head over to my website, rachelscofield.com forward slash siblings, it's there too.
0: Excellent. Rachel, we've got more podcasts coming up about siblings in the weeks ahead. I can't wait to talk to you further. Thank you for today.
1: Thank you so much, David. It's a pleasure being here.